You're listening to the Topco Business Unusual Podcast. Now, the Business Unusual Podcast. Learn from the greatest minds in business today. Interviews hosted by Ralph Fletcher. Learn how to improve business, get tips from industry leaders, and be motivated by real-life experience. Topco. Business Unusual. So welcome to uh, Topco's Business Unusual podcast. Uh, I saw Mark uh, smile there. We're talking in the background, but uh, w- w- um, welcome to our guest today, Mark Quivert. So Mark's the uh, general manager, I don't know, um, jack of all trades for Simplify HR and Careers24. He's also our partner on the future of HR that's going to be happening in um, mid-November. I think we've been working with you for six or seven years now. It seems like we're married. Um, but so this is the first time on the podcast, which is pretty cool because we've done some masterclasses together. We've been on the stage together. So this is, uh, this is going to be awesome. So welcome. Mark. Thanks very much. And uh, as always, thanks very much to you and the Top Topco team for, for having me. It's always good to have these conversations. And I think that's exactly what the purpose of the future of HR is is to have discussions and um, bounce ideas and to get some insights from, from people. And, you know, let's keep the conversation going. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, typically, um, it's, it's just nice for everybody to know. So who is Mark Privet? Where is he from? How do you get to this position? Um, so he's got the Superman stamp behind him. So obviously he's, you know, he's a successful executive. But, but what's your journey to joining careers and, and sort of... Yeah. How did your career evolve? So, um, I'd actually say I was quite a late starter in life. Um, you know, I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do for quite a while. Um, and I lucked into um, getting into the online gaming industry in, in Johannesburg. I'm a Johannesburg um, refugee. So even though I live in Cape Town, I am from, forgive you. from the, uh, the mother's, uh, from the, the um, gangster's paradise. Um, so, uh, I worked in the casinos for quite a while, um, and I really cut my teeth in the the online marketing, the digital space um, in the late 1990s, early 2000s. So that was before digital was really big in in South Africa. We were still, you know, finding our way, um, and there, I really learned a lot in in that environment. And I decided to take a bit of a break and I moved to the UK, um, which was supposed to be a permanent move. And I, um, I worked for one of the largest job boards in, in the United Kingdom uh, called the Total Jobs Group in a, in a marketing in a marketing role. Um, I subsequently learned that it wasn't really my vibe, you know, Miss South Africa, Mr. Sunshine, Mr. People who, you know, you actually know their last names um, <laughs> rather than... <just> be- <laughs> so uh, decided to come back home and I lucked into a job at um, at Media24, uh, at 24.com, uh, where we decided to take on Google. Uh, we had this big search play. Um, at the time, we thought that um, Google shouldn't have our content and we wanted to become the search engine of South Africa. Um, needless to say, um, it, it, it failed miserably. It was a spectac- spectacular fail, but um, I thought it was, um, I, I learned a lot in that environment as well. Um, and then um, I, I left, I left uh, 24.com and I um, went into sort of a startup type of environment. And then I was invited back because they wanted to resuscitate the career for business. Um, 
and um, they were looking for somebody to to head that up. So um, my experience with um, with the Total Jobs Group in the United Kingdom, uh, coupled with the fact that I'd worked within within the group, kind of um, teed me up for that. And it's been a journey ever since. So I've been at uh, at uh, at uh, Careers Twenty Four for eleven, twelve years now. Um, I've seen us expand into Africa and pull back back on from that. Uh, we've grown it from from really being a nothing business to one of the market leaders, and we've um, we've expanded our business into to other areas. And that's really what Simplify.hr is. Um, it's a software as a service platform um, where we help recruiters manage their recruitment process through um, through through a, a, a platform. Um, and really, that's what we do. So we we, we saw the need for um, better recruitment practices within South Africa with our own customers at Career24, and we thought we could offer them something that uh, is uh, a lot better. So that's kind of my, my history and how I got to, to the Simplify space. Wow. So, I mean, let's not forget, though, I don't know if it's true that all successful execs have to write their own book, but you've actually written a book as well, right? That's true. It's actually true. I, I, I try you to keep on promising to send it to me, but I haven't received it. <laughs> I will definitely send it to you. Uh, although I, I do know that uh, some some of your guys have it, so um, I think you could ask Katie for it. But yeah, um, definitely will send that to you. It's um, it's it's effectively a recruitment one hundred and one manual. So it is how to do effective recruitment from A to Z, and it's really aimed at at, at anybody that has either got experience in recruiting or somebody that might might want to um, just improve the way that they they do their recruitment. It's really the basics, so the the building blocks of effective recruitment. And you did that book. That was a pre-COVID, or was that? It was pre-COVID, so it definitely wasn't one of my my pandemic uh, uh, struggles. I, I wrote it prior to uh, to the pandemic. Awesome. So I mean, I mean, the future of HR. I mean, who would have ever thought? Because we spoke at the conference for years about how everybody's going to change, and you're going to go digital, and recruitment's going to change, and how you practice and flexibility, and so many things that came up during COVID. Hmm. How relevant were there some of those discussions to prepare people? Do you think for what happened? I think I think a lot of them were relevant. Um, I think the thinking has is correct, and I think the the path that was that we were on was um, definitely a digital world, um, a um, a world where you know we talk about the fourth the fourth uh, industrial revolution a lot and the impact that we had that has on uh, the workforce. Um, and really, the pandemic just sort of slammed us and said, "Well, you know what? If you were you think thinking five or ten years, it is now. It is absolutely now." And um, it was really fascinating to see the resilience of organisations and um, and businesses and see how they responded to the. No, it's not a five-year plan. It's a right now. We have to now be in, working in a, in a remote environment. Um, our workforces have to be working in a totally different way. Um, and yeah, I think um, there's definitely been casualties along the way, but I think those are the casualties that were kind of expected in, in any case, you know. Um, so, you know, as we sort of digitize and we um, adopt machine learning and AI and, and automation in, in, our, in, our, in our business uh, practices, of course, there are going to be job losses, unfortunately, and that's definitely something that we have seen. Um, but then again, we've seen some success stories. I mean, um, you know, I, I, I speak about... Um, a bank that turned around their digital strategy, literally something that they've been planning for years, weren't looking at launching it and they had no option. But and within the space of a few days, they literally 
turned their business to be able to work from a, a remote environment. And that, that is fascinating, especially for a big behemoth like a bank. And it's one of the, the top four. So um, it is possible. Yeah, I think this whole shift, right, from what, what legacy sort of businesses to this digital world. And I mean, if you had to rewrite your book again, I, no doubt you're probably working on it. How, how different is the 101 of recruitment traditionally and now in the new digital world? So I think in many, in many ways it's slightly different, but the fundamentals still remain the same. Effective recruitment still is dealing with people. It is still evaluating candidates correctly. It is still being prepared. It is still um, writing great job specifications that um, pull the right people in. It's still focusing on your employer brand. Um, I think what often people really get, um, um, get unstuck by is thinking that digital is the solution, right? Digital is effectively a channel, right? It is the method in which you do something. It's not what you do, right? So, you know, you draw, you, you, you transfer money at, a, at an ATM is, is the method, you know? You, tra- you go transfer money at the bank teller is a method, but what you're doing is still the same thing. You're taking money from one place to another. Um, and really, that's what you've got to think about. So, so you can be afraid of it or you can embrace it. It's, it's really up to you. It depends on your, um, <laughs> um, your levels of anxiety of, of the future. But ultimately, that's what it is. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a mechanism. Um, it's a mechanism that is, in many cases, cheaper than um, or more cost-effective than um, bricks and mortar and more effective. Um, you know, when you start having um, algorithms and um, these type of things to be able to do really complex thinking very quickly, um, you know, it, it takes brain power of many people to do that type of thing. So it sh- you should really adopt it in not only your recruitment, but I think just in general. So to answer your question, I would say definitely um, the fundamentals will remain the same. The book the book would remain the same, but I think it would have a lot more focus on the digital side. Like, how do you really, how do you really put that into your organization? Um, yeah. I think one of the biggest issues we have ultimately is actually the change management within organizations. Like, mm-hmm. um, you find that um, somebody in the C-suite will decide, you know what, we need to digitize our recruitment process. Um, they mm-hmm. buy the platform, they buy the tools, but the adoption within the organization is just, not great because they hang on to all process processes and ways of doing things um, and the training and the change management within the organization hasn't really happened so that's one of the, the areas that um, I would also focus on in my book so that, I mean they, they talked about it I think during COVID or just pre is the adaptability quotient mm-hmm. and how adaptable are organizations and the people who are leading those organizations are you seeing that? And we've spoken about it at the Future HR quite a bit as well. I mean, are you seeing that now in terms of the recruitment criteria and looking at people's like EQ or, you know, AQ? It used to be IQ. So I don't have that. So um, I think that it's something that people should be looking at a lot more because I think that, so, so I think you need to, if I had to hire, I'd hire for adapt, adaptability, flexibility, um, Depth and breadth of thinking and the ability to to think logic um, is something that I would uh, look for, and I think we definitely we definitely seeing that people are hiring less and less on um, experience 
Um, you know, that's sort of like, I need somebody that's got 10 years experience within a field because that sort of rubber stamps the fact that you can do the job. It's not that. It's actually your, your attitude, your ability, your, um, your personality, your ability to gel within a team, your, your culture fit. I think that, that that's something we speak about a lot at the future of HR. Um, and I think it rings even more true now. Um, so if you take those type of um, criteria, you marry that with, like you say, the EQ, the the AQ, and and all these um, you know, other cues that we speak about. Um, that's really what you should be looking at because um, you need people that can make sudden swift changes when 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 the time comes. Um, the companies that have managed very well during the pandemic are companies that have ultimately been led by people who can manage change very quickly and can. Um, you know, make changes at, 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 the, at the turn of a hat, you know. Um, and I think that's really what's, what we see. Um, and if you have the right people within the team structure, then, of course, it makes it a whole lot easier. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, there's two points there. I mean, the one is, like, our huge unemployment, especially in the youth. And you talk about low experience, and it's true. I mean, I, I kind of get the most gratification working with people who have very little experience because you kind of have an idea of what you need them to do. And often if someone's got experience, you've got a different view or a different experience and you first need to break through that trust or that confidence. And so are you seeing, are you seeing a youth employment coming through more now with, with the fact that less experience is needed and they're taking on these digital skills and they have it innately in them, you know, they're on TikTok and all these different digital platforms anyway. Unfortunately not, and I've got to be quite blunt, and there's such an opportunity for people to change the way that they think about um, um, opportunity, uh, people opportunity, and people are still doing the same things they've been doing for the last 20 years, Um, and that's a trend that I'm definitely seeing. Of course, it will weed out, and I think um, over time it will change. Forward-thinking companies, and unfortunately there aren't too many of them, are thinking exactly the way you're talking in... um, looking at the youth, looking at opportunities within youth, not focusing on experience, not focusing on those things, but focusing on the opportunity of growing people. Um, but, you know, we've also just come out of a pandemic. We've come out of a, let's call it, a fiscally lean uh, time. Um, so things like graduate programs and internships, those have all but dried up in, 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 many, in many cases. And that's where the breeding ground often is for this type of um, nurturing and growth. Um, and that, that's that, that's a sad part. And if it, just to go back to ultimately the the issue is that we effectively have a dual economy when it comes to to, to jobs and and employment. We have this large number of unskilled, let's call it unskilled, uneducated, um, um, inexperienced people who are, need need work, right? Yeah. Um, but the job market and the job market, unfortunately, we as Chris Twenty Four and and Simplify actually are in. The, the formal sector are looking for skilled, experienced, qualified hires. Um, and that's a problem. And everyone's looking for scarce skills, which we understand because, you know, we, mm-hmm. we have certain needs, technological needs, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but we're not addressing the, 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 the bottom end of the, the employment market. And I think that's one of the biggest issues that we have in South Africa um, mm-hmm. is that, you know, I, I don't see it coming right. There was a um, mm-hmm. report. There was a reporter over the weekend, I can't remember who it was, but it was one of the um, ratings agencies who were speaking about the um, the, um, the issue of South Africa and the, the, long, the medium to long-term um, outlook. And it, it still ultimately boils down to education um, in, mm-hmm. in the country. We do have an education issue, 
Um, they were saying that unfortunately it doesn't look like um, we have the money or drive to fix that problem right now. And if we mm-hmm. if we don't do anything like that, we're going to sit in this this this, this vicious cycle where we have too many people that don't have um, the ability that is required by the formal sector. Um, and I think that's what the issue is, ultimately. Mm. And there's so many things to discuss there. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, you, you mentioned that we talk about culture as part of a really important part of the future of HR. And, and I'm just going into this because one of the things for me in building culture is knowing who you are mm-hmm. and having someone who's joining that culture. Um, as opposed to coming with their own culture, is embracing and having an open mind to your culture. And young people do that, right? I think the other part, though, is is that for a young person who's technologically bound, they're looking at, like, I don't know, Instagram and TikTok, and they're looking at life in a very funky and cool way, and they come into maybe some office where people aren't, uh, I don't know, engaging with technology and not looking so funky. And they're probably thinking, well, you're not a good fit for me either. Are you seeing that? Are you seeing, like, uh, the employee brand is also needing some, some work? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think, well, culture is such an interesting topic because I think people have this idea of what culture is. You know, culture is not who you are as individuals. It's actually how you behave. Well, at least in the um, corporate space, it's how you behave as a collective. You know, Um, are you biased towards action? Are you laid back? You know, know, what what are the things that, how you operate is actually your culture. It's not the makeup of who's in the organization. But um, if you all sort of drive in the same direction in the same manner, that's actually ultimately, in my opinion, what 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 company culture is. Um, but to your point, um, I think there's two points that are, are really valid. In what you're saying is that um, the first one is if you if you're an organisation and if you're looking just for like-minded people that speak like you, act like you, come from the same background, came from the same schools, then you're doing yourself a massive disservice yeah. um, because. Diversity is, and you see this internationally, it's, it's a massive drive because diversity um, creates challenging thinking. It, change, it, it, it challenges the way you, you look, at, look at things. And it, it's really great for problem solving and looking at things from a, from a broader perspective. Um, so often what we do is, and particularly from the uh, South African context, is we say, well, we want to fill numbers, but not for the right reasons. We say, well, because we've got EE targets or whatever the case may be. Um, and I think that's where some of the risk lies, is that, you you want you want to bring people into your organization, but you don't give them the breathing space to to flourish and thrive and have a voice and add to the conversation. And the worst part is if you look at the pandemic, it's even worse, right? So um, this is anecdotal, but I was I was chatting to one of my colleagues who was uh, mentioning that during the pandemic, an intern started at um, at her department uh, within the organization. This intern has never met somebody face-to-face in the organization, right? Because we were in lockdown and we, we as Media24, we had a very strict uh, um, uh, way of dealing with lockdown. We closed the offices and for all intents and purposes, work from home unless we, we have to. Yeah. Uh, so this person had, was there for a year and had not met a single person face-to-face. Now, how do you build, how do you build a, relationship, oh, okay. a relationship with somebody that has never met, met somebody? You know, yeah. don't, you don't learn. You don't learn about the organization through induction. You learn through the organization through having chats with, you know, at the coffee, having coffee downstairs, or a smoke break if you if you're a smoker, or whatever the case would be. Having these informal conversations guide 
your your way through an organization. Silly things like how do I get the printer fixed to, you know, you know, I might not I might know that person's job title, but you know, that person's really important. If that person comes to you and asks you for something, you know that that's the that person you must jump for. But that other one, you know, they they chilled. It doesn't really matter. And that's what I'm saying. It's like you don't get that in the um in the um work from home remote type of uh um, environments, and I think it can be very lonely for new people that um, uh, come come to an organisation. I mean, it's so. I mean, what, what we're seeing as well is um, most organisations, successful, thriving, growing organisations, their CEOs in their KPIs, they might have four. One might be profit, growth, but the, the two that really fascinate me is one's normally culture, making sure the values and the culture of the organ as a CEO. It's changed completely. And the other one is make sure we've got the right people doing the right things. No, totally. And that's, um, I just know as in my business, it's uh, something that we focus on. We are very focused on, on our staff and um, their happiness levels, their engagement. Uh, we have feedback sessions every quarter. We have uh, formal surveys. And we are marked as as a business unit or, or division uh, um, uh, people responsible for them. We are marked and we are measured on 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 those results. And um, and you know it's 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 great because it actually makes you think about how what you're doing, how you're doing. It gives you like you you, you think you think about people purpose, right? You think about like yeah. how you interact with people. You know, I think we can sometimes um, as leadership get bogged down in the work and not think about the people. Um, and that's where some of the risk lies. And uh, that, as you said, the, the forward-thinking companies are the ones that are focusing on this and bringing it, you know, giving it the life that it deserves. And I think it's different companies at different stage of their growth as well need to focus on these elements, right? Because scaling fast is probably even more reason to focus internally than it is on your customer. But there's that debate, right? I mean, it's been for years for all of us, in decision-making roles, it's like, what's more important, the customer or your people? And um, and and obviously we've had those discussions, but I mean, it comes back to people. I mean, it's so it's it's now so obvious for me, but there was times when I was like fixated on the customer. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know what? I think um, to be honest, and <laughs> what, what I love about the corporate co- corporate world is that there are definitely trends. You know, so you know how people managed ten years ago, or fifteen years ago, or five years ago is quite different how how people manage now. How people respond or their their needs are also quite different. So, as an employee, what do I want now is quite mm-hmm. different from what I wanted two three years ago. So pre pandemic, um, you know, yes, uh, culture was important to me, but it was all about full full. For a large portion, it was really about the remuneration and the package and the benefits and that type of thing. Um, but uh, fast forward 18 months, 20, 20 months, I have down this line we're in. I don't even know anymore because it's like a, a blank for me. I don't want to think about it. Um, but, you know, people are, people are looking for flexibility. They, they, you know, they've now had the opportunity to spend some time at home with their kids and they're bringing up their kids in a pandemic environment. So that is important for them. Um, so many people I know have semigrated, so they've moved to small towns or whatever the case may be. They've got a better quality of life. They're not, not in this rat race, and that becomes a lot more important. Um, yeah. And as leadership, you've got to you've got to navigate that. So now you you know we we want everybody to come back to work at some point because that's how we know that the world op- operated, and this is the model that we comfortable with it. But if the 
if the market, if the employees, if the people who build our organizations and the ones that actually do the work are saying, listen, we're looking for something different. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't listen to us, we'll go somewhere else or other people will make, make more attractive offers. That's where it becomes a little bit dangerous. Um, yeah. So you've got, to, you've got to move with the times. You've got to move with the, uh, the way people um, are moving, and especially in a market like ours. So, yes, we've got massive unemployment, but we're all fighting for the same scarce skills um, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the boardrooms and in the, the corporate environments. So we yeah, have we, to- We've got this global situation as well where we're now under pressure globally for highly skilled people internationally. Um, and I mean, what, what do you see that the challenge, the other challenges being with COVID now? I mean, you, you know, we, we've had a, you know, we've done that masterclass on Poppy. Are you still seeing Poppy is really important um, in terms of the privacy and, and companies adopting and who's doing well? Yeah, so it's 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 definitely a reality. Um, whether people are, are ignoring it or not is a is another story. I think a lot of people, a lot of organisations, especially I wouldn't say the large organisations. I think they they get it. Yeah. And, and you know, if you're a bank, you 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 know about uh, legislation and, and and what what your requirements are in in that regard. So like large organisations get it. Where I worry is that sort of like uh, medium size downwards. It's it's not really a priority. It's an expensive, yeah. expensive um, um, thing to implement. You know, uh, you, you, your terms and conditions, the way you operate, your your processes. Um, not everybody can afford to say, for example, have an applicant tracking system that manages recruitment for them because it's a it's an investment. Um, but you have got to look at it the other way. Um, the risk of not doing it is a yeah. lot larger, right? Um, yeah. Falling foul of uh, the data protection. Um, um, office would be would, would result in fines and, and reputational damage. Um, and if you couple that with what we're seeing right now, um, if you overlay that with all the cyber attacks and all the things that are mm. happening, um, this seems to be the new kidnapping, they kidnap your data. Um, and if, 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 you, if you put it into that context where there are bad actors mm. who are trying to steal your, your information and the information yeah. of, of um, data subjects you've collected, then yeah. you've, got to, you've got to take the, the, the right me- measurements in place. But Mark, is it, I mean, I often think about these things and it kind of, it's a bit frustrating because we, we have it for the awards, right? We put up these different programs for the awards and I suppose we do it for a reason. And, and it's fundamental because I think generally governments, not just in South Africa, but around the world, they're really bad at selling policy. Mm-hmm. But policy often is a thing that revolves and takes many years. You know, you know, people in government aren't known for doing things quickly, let's be fair. So these things are normally taking a long time. They've considered it, they've got international practice. And most of the time, they're doing it for a very important reason. And, and, it, and it often becomes that thing of organizations who are late to the party are ticking boxes versus doing it for a purpose-driven thing. So for us, Topco is about inspiring the world to do good business. But, I mean, it's not we have to tick a box to be vetted or, you know, it's, it's about being proactive. I mean, are you seeing that is growing are you seeing is that that, that another challenge is, is people's yeah, view on these things like i said it's definitely um, from organization to organization um and really it's about the mindset shift right so um we come from a we come from a background of you know the more i can collect the better you know uh if, if i look at careers 24 for example if i have a cv database of four million candidates that's a good thing right that's what i sell you know i sell quantity over quality right um, 
But then, you know, you, you've got to look at it from a different lens. Saying, like, how useful is that data? You know, is it protected? Um, is, it, is it something that, um, say, for example, I, I signed up at Careers24 and for, for the last three years I haven't used the platform. Well, in terms of purpose, I've forgotten about the, the fact that my data is there, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Careers24 is, is, is quite an, I wouldn't say anomaly, but it's, um, it's one of those businesses that consumes a lot of personal data. So we've got your ID number, we know where you work, we know your educational history, we know your race, we know your gender, we know like a whole lot of stuff about you, which mm-hmm. is valuable. Right. In many ways, right. more than the person knows about themselves, in a way. Because you way. can use that data to create insights, right? Exactly. Exactly. And so what we've got to do is, we, and we as Chris before, but of course we as recruiters, people that are recruiting, say, mm-hmm. why do I need that information? Like, why mm-hmm. do I need to know the ID number of a potential candidate that I haven't even interviewed yet? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so about the, uh, it's a lot of it's about this data minimization, saying, well, collect what, only what you need at the point when you need it. If, you, if you've gone through the recruitment process and you, you actually now want to vet this candidate, you, you've, you've had an interview, now you want to evaluate and vet and do check, then ask for the ID number. You, know, you don't need to ask for that upfront, right? Yeah. Um, so, so the less you can, you can collect, the better. And then, of course, you know, once you've gone through the recruitment process, you have no... You have no um, um, aspirations to hire this person at any given time, get rid of the data, delete the information. There's no reason for it to sit on your database of candidates or your, your candidate pool if you know that you're not going to use it. It just adds risk. Is it, is it like your photo pool on your phone? Like all exactly. those photos that we took, exactly. right? <laughs> I'm one of those. I'm, 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 I'm quite bad at that. But um, it just sits yeah. there, right? And then to get the real information is quite difficult. That's the... The, the real issue. And I mean, what, what other challenges are you seeing since COVID in terms of recruiting or opportunities? So I, I think you touched on it a little bit earlier. And I think the, the one thing that we're seeing in our market is that we have a lot of international um, organizations, global juggernauts who are now fishing in our talent pool, um, mm. offering um, euro or dollar or, or pound-based salaries, um, particularly for development staff and, and those type of staff where they, they can work remotely, they can work for, from wherever they want. So you have a South African-based lifestyle uh, yeah. or RAND-based lifestyle, but you're getting paid in, in, in dollars or euros. It's, it's really attractive. Yeah. Um, and they, they're mopping up. And we're finding mm-hmm. it from our, internally from, from our organizations that you know, development staff and, and uh, uh, Data, data analysts, and you know these type of specialisations, you're paying way over the odds for. I mean, you know, you know, you, you don't think about inflation salaries. You know, you, they're, they're just ridiculous. Um, but I think there is there is a, a light at the end of the tunnel in that we do work differently. Our culture of working is quite different from from the UK and Europe in particular. Um, US, for example, job security is obviously not something that is 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 big there. You know, if they if they don't like you, they'll fire you on a dime, and you have no recourse. Um, so I think you we're seeing this sort of cycle where people are saying, "Well, do you know what I did? It I made lots of money, but you know what? The culture is not great. Um, I'm treated as a number. I do, I'm not connected to anything." You know, and it goes back to that thing we were saying. People want to have meaning in what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, they want to feel they're part of something that is meaningful. And they want to be able to touch and see and feel it. And I think that's what you you got to instill. And um, we're seeing that people are now saying, do you know what, I'll take that salary cut um, and come back to an organization that I love or back to these South African organizations because I like the way we work. You know, 
we, we're quite laid back. You know, you do a nine-hour day. You're not expected to do crazy overtime in, in, in many cases. Um, so I think we've got a balance, but a nice work-life balance in South Africa compared to some of these, these other, um, other countries. It's crazy. I mean, I think of my brother and my sister who's gone there, and I know they're working there butts mm. off like they're working their butts off and i'm thinking to myself like they're probably saving up on working that time to go on a holiday to come to cape town for two weeks where we're living here permanently yeah. and so there is that sense of yes you can earn more money but what are you doing it for and and so there's that but i mean you, you touched on culture what are, i mean because we often think of the company right recruiting people but it's the people that join a company. What what are what else are they looking for that you're seeing? What other trends are you seeing that organizations need to up their game and sort of deliver on to attract the right type of people, not the right experienced people, but the right type of people that's going to help them grow their business as well? So um, the, the one thing that I'm seeing is that um, in interviews, you're getting interviewed a lot more as the hirer than you were in the past. They ah, I've got a couple of them. They are. Um, they want to know what good are you doing in society? How do you fit in? How do you how do you make a difference? So a lot of that, uh, uh, I call it the soft stuff. It's actually really important. Um, yeah. They want to see. They want to see your your credentials when it comes to uh, building a a better South Africa. Um, they want to see. How you how you how you manage your own internal staff? How do you you know what is your style? What what is um, you know what is your ethos when it comes to to management? You know how flexible are you? What kind of um, and it's not about benefits per se, but it's like how likely am I knowing my personality, knowing what I'm looking for to fit in your organization? And it's good that it's happening because often you find. And we, you know, this is, you know, we've done Future of HR for a long time, and this has been a topic for a long time, is that, you know, you can hire somebody that has got ticked all the boxes, all those old traditional boxes. They've got the experience, they've worked, they've worked with our competitors, they've got the experience, they've got the education, you know, whatever the case may be, they come to your organization and somehow they just do not fit. Mm. And they become toxic. Mm. And that's, that's the danger. So hire for fit more than anything else. And I think that that's, rings true even more, more now. And fit in the post-pandemic or, 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 or um, environment is adaptability, is those things that you're talking about, resilience, um, mm-hmm. your ability to self-motivate. Now, if, 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 you, if you join my organization tomorrow and mm-hmm. we're hiring, um, you'll work remotely. You know, so part of the expectation is that- Can you I join on Monday? There we go. <laughs> <laughs> but please use the platform because uh, <laughs> we want to make sure that we're properly compliant. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so you join the organization and you, we expect you to be able to self-manage and motivate yourself. That's part of what we're looking for. Um, now, we wouldn't have thought about that two, three years ago when we knew you'd be in the office and we can, you know, keep an eye on you. Um, yeah. So those change quite a bit. And also like knowing your the people, right, within your culture. So like I see progressive, I mean, what we see obviously at Future of HR is this almost counterintuitive experience right it's like if everybody else is doing it probably don't do that like do your own run your own race break your own culture and must like that book by ben howitz you know um you know what you do is who you are so so and it's things like um you know we have a dog policy you know dogs are allowed those sorts of 
cool things, right? So, I mean, are you seeing that a lot more now, these unique sort of postings and opportunities aligned to, Yeah, I mean, traveling, I know you love traveling, so, you know. uh, (laughs) Don't even go there because it breaks my heart to think I haven't traveled in in 20 months. I mean, that's really my thing. Have you got Uh, over it or are you? It's COVID. It's it's definitely COVID. But also, I, I just imagine that traveling is not as fun as anymore i mean it, it just it doesn't feel like a holiday if you're restrictive and you've got to be in long queues and you've got to worry about your COVID test before you get back it just doesn't feel like a holiday to me um of course we're all doing uh, local travel now and we are in love with our country again um, hard life um so that's good um but yeah i think you know I, I call it the google effect so i think what you saw with the likes of google offering all these amazing benefits and uh, in working environments that are super, super cool. It's kind of died away a little bit because of the pandemic and people are working from home. But really, the, for me, the organizations that are doing really well are the ones that are supporting um, people having to work from home. So get them desks and good chairs at, 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 their, at their home. Make sure they've got fiber or whatever the case may be because people's circumstances are different, right? So it's very, very easy for us as senior managers to make decisions about like how, how work should be because we, we, we live very comfortably in, in, in very comfortable environments. But we need to take into consideration that, say, for example, you work um, in a call center, but you have to work remotely, that you might have noise around you, or you don't have your own private space um, to, to work in. And, and organizations that try to solve those issues are the ones that are doing well. The ones that are ignoring it and pretend it doesn't exist are the ones that are, are, are seen by the employees as, as unfair and, and not considerate and, you know, not understanding. And, and I mean, you, that, talk, that goes back to that diversity thing because, uh, you know, from a, from a personal perspective, I was brought up in the old school where work doesn't really finish until whatever, 10 at night or whatever, and, and I would be phoning people and then often Haley would say to me, what are you doing? Like, you cannot phone that person. It's after hours. <laughs> you got to be considerate. And so, like, then I was, I'm asking permission. Can I phone you or can I speak to you? But it's important, right? I mean, you've got to adapt. Like you're saying, it's that adapting with the times and that empathy. And I think women have it a lot easier than, than men, to be fair. That You know, the soft skills that you talk about. Are you seeing that as well, that, the, that way more women being recruited in terms of leadership positions and that diversity of thinking and organizations? Are you seeing that? Um, not so much on the on the women's side. I think um, I think it's it's there is definitely progression, and we've definitely seen that. But it, it's not happening fast enough. Um, quite 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 frankly, I think that the pandemic has probably been the hardest on women who have now had to, mm-hmm. you know, juggle a whole lot of the home stuff that you know you would outsource to schools or creches or whatever yeah. the case may be. I got to do homeschooling, and you know, women uh, women just amaze me in how they could just pick up stuff and not complain and just carry on doing it because it's a necessity. So people should be hiring more women. I mean, <laughs> that's a reality. If you're that adaptable in, in, in juggling all these balls and ultimately you're a great, um, you're a great candidate for, um, for leadership. Um, but so what, what we're definitely seeing is that um, it goes back to what I was saying, saying before, not, not so much the, the woman thing, but definitely you're hiring for that, that adaptability more than anything else. Um, other trends that I'm seeing in terms of hiring, um, I can't think of anything offhand that really is, is, it, is it an increase in general hiring now. Are jobs starting to become 
a little bit more? Is it more companies looking for people or is it more startups? So we, we, we do a survey which we do on, on a monthly basis where we have access to a view of all the available jobs on the on in the South African internet. So we talk about online jobs that are advertised online. So yeah, it speaks yeah. a certain of the market, unfortunately. But it gives us trends, right? Yeah. And what's interesting is that um, August and September, job stock availability was at the same level as pre-pandemic for August and September 2000. Wow. So definitely a recovery. We're still about 5% down um, year, year on year from January to, to September compared to 2019. But it's definitely seeing a bit of a recovery. But yeah. the, the issue that, that if you scratch under the surface a little bit, you're definitely seeing that it's certain segments that are driving it. And yeah. quite frankly, it's, once again, it's the it's it's scarce skills. It's those those... those like the explosion of IT and digitization has caused more requirements for data scientists and developers and programmers and, and those type of skills. Um, mm. So on the paper, it looks good, but mm. it's, not, it's not really feeding what is required um, in, in the marketplace. And we, we kind of want jobs for everybody, not just for scarce skilled, um, highly, um, highly qualified people. Yeah, I, I saw somewhere that the minimum wage in England now is, I think it was 10 pounds an hour something like that, 200 rand an hour. But, I mean, there's something that, for me, we've got young children, so one's in matric at the moment, the other one's studying, um, and there's that that point around, you know, what's the future, what should the, the, the millennials or the young people be studying for future careers, and that is a big challenge. And the skills and education, we talk about education, how relevant is education? I mean... I, I left halfway through my trick and I went overseas and I sort of did half an A-level and I came back and I did two years of a marketing degree, didn't finish it. So in a way, I don't really have any qualifications, but that hasn't stopped my continuous mm. learning and my belief in skills. And there seems to be a whole set of thinking around recruiting people, not on your education, but rather on skills and rather on skills self-learned as opposed mm. to necessarily educated skills what, what what are your sense on that i mean how what, are you are you able to track some of those things are you seeing an improvement there so i think um, i can't really see in the recruiting side but i can definitely tell you some anecdotal stuff that um, i picked up quite recently so um, I, was, I was fortunate enough to be in a uh, conversation with one of Safka's big leaders who's a serial entrepreneur but working in very big corporates as ceo um, in the banking space, so might work out who it is. Um, but he was basically saying when he interviews, especially for the startup businesses, he looks at people who can have conversations about a depth and breadth of, of, of topic and people that look to the future. So they will, like, for example, I think the example he gave was, what would the impact of solar energy be on the country? Or, you know, so always looking forward and not looking backwards. Um, and if you couple that with attitude, you know, the, the fact that you're curious, the fact that you want want to learn, that you don't mind doing something that is not your job, if you want to call it that, um, because it's an opportunity to learn and experience. If you couple those two, two, two things together, I think you can really get some winning people that don't tick those traditional boxes. So it's like, the, and it's like that counterintuitive thinking again, right? Mm. It's like looking for the ones who are actually going to go outside of the box, not the ones in the box doing the traditional sort of things so look we've got the conference coming up and and you've been supporting it for for years so why should someone come well the conversations like this ultimately because <laughs> about the future of hr 
you can have conversations with your peers. You can really discuss, um, you know, what is not only happening in the future, but really the problems that people are having right now. Um, we, we're living in a very, very um, interesting time where things are moving very fast and change is happening really rapidly. And it's, it's up to us as HR professionals to, to keep abreast of what's happening around us. Yeah, it's weird because I think we went from sort of two or 300 delegates to in COVID 900 and then it was 3,000. And I think we're expecting like six or 7,000. The team are going for 10. I don't know if they're going to hit that, but that's yeah. a lot of people who are interested in HR and building good teams and, and being part of it. Once again, I think that's an example of where embracing digitization and digital channels has opened up and broadened the scope of, of a really amazing platform. Sure. Yeah, I saw the head of head of people for F and B was one of the delegates. So I was like, "Wow, that's that's awesome." It was so great speaking to you, Mark. I think we got load shedding now. So these are the things that these uh, you know uh, recruiters and people got to get used to, right? Adaptability. We've got to finish on time, I suppose. But it was really great speaking to you. Thanks so much. Uh, we love these. Thanks so much. I'll thank you, Claire. We've got we've got to do them more often, once a month maybe, and, and get some guests on. What would be wonderful. Awesome. Great.